want to make a declaration this morning before we get into the message. I believe the Bible is true. And I believe that it is the revelation of God to man, revealing his nature, his will, and his plans for the ages. And just as there is no other God like our God, there is no other holy book like the Bible. It is uniquely God's Word. It's a living thing. It's a faith-producing thing. It brings power into any situation to actually bring itself to pass. When you read the Bible, when you study your Bible and meditate the Bible and speak the Bible, you are interacting with the two agents that brought our world into existence in the beginning. And that is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And you cannot have any greater avenue of power than the Word of God and the Spirit of God as a human being. That is our entryway into things of the Spirit. And so thank God for the Word of God, and we're going to look into it today. Would you pray with me now? Father, we thank you. We honor you and we bless you for the word. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for every family that's here. We thank you for every person who is watching this online. We thank you, Lord, for every person that will see this and will be touched. And we ask you, Lord, to give us utterance in the Holy Ghost. Help me to speak your word clearly and boldly with accuracy and anointing. And may the glory of God and the presence of Almighty God be in such a way in this place that we actually are touched by your presence through his word today. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. And everybody said amen. 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 A spiritual law, like any natural law, is something that works for everybody. It works everywhere. And it works all the time. There, there is no one that these kinds of laws won't work for. They work for everybody. So no matter who you are, where you are, or what time it is in your life, present or future, these spiritual laws will work. We've looked at three of them already. We've looked at the law of love, we've looked at the law of life, and we've looked at the law of faith. Today we're going to look at the fourth on our list, and that is the law of sowing and reaping. Now, this law probably is the one that's most understood by people, even if they're unfamiliar with Scripture, they understand something about sowing and reaping, because this is how the entire universe operates. And it operates on the principle of sowing and reaping on every level, from the level of our eternal spiritual destiny all the way down to producing the food that we eat every day. Everybody, saved and unsaved alike lives according to the law of seed time and harvest. And I don't think there's a better verse in the Bible that explains this law than Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, and that is our text for today. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. So it must be possible that people could be deceived by not understanding this, but we're told to not be. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever... Everybody say whatsoever. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
So to think otherwise than this is actually to be deceived. There are no exceptions, and there's never a time when this law will ever fail to work. Now, in a culture like ours today that just seems to hate absolutes, this kind of really just slaps people in the face, so to speak, because none of us can circumvent this law. It's, it's never going to be taken off the books, so to speak. It's always there every day. This principle of seed time and harvest is so powerful and so important that in the very first chapter of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, man is introduced to seed. I, wanna, I want to look at that just for a moment. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, it says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Well, how are they going to do that? Well, he's going to tell them in just a moment through the seed. And subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat or for food. So we see in these two verses that the first two things that God told man about after creating him and giving him consciousness and giving him life, he told him about his authority, his place of dominion, and he told him about seed. So this is not a side issue. This is not a side issue. This is really our survival. If you learn to operate the law, the principle of seed time and harvest to your advantage, your life will go to new places, better places than you've ever been. There is always a harvest after the sowing of seed, and it's important to understand that the harvest always follows. It never precedes the sowing. It always comes after. Harvests always follow the sowing, and they always correspond to the type of seed we sow. You'll never sow an apple seed and have a lemon tree. You'll never sow a cucumber seed and end up with a radish. Always harvests correspond to the type of the seed that's sown. And also harvests are proportional. Harvests always correspond to the amount of seed that we sow. Nobody would sow 10 acres of wheat and expect to reap 1,000 acres. It's proportional. And something about seed that is so wonderful, the great designer, the great creator of the universe put inside of every seed a predetermined future. There is a code, if you will, inside of every seed, whether it's a corn seed, wheat seed, apple seed, tomato seed, whatever it may be. Inside that seed, regardless of how small, there is within that the DNA, the instructions, if you will, for that seed to sprout and reproduce itself. And most all the time, it is exponential reproduction. It's just supernatural in a way, but yet it is the natural way of life here on the earth. So <clears throat> there is a predetermined future inside of every seed that is ever sown. 
And it's important to understand and remind ourselves that harvests never do get mixed up. You'll never sow tomatoes and, as I say, you get, uh, you know, whatever, something else, radishes or whatever it may be. They never get uh, mixed up. And they, they, in, in addition to not producing the wrong crop, they never end up in somebody else's field. You know, somebody else is not going to sow seed in their field and you get the harvest. No, and you're not going to sow seed in your field and somebody else take your harvest. No, they always show up where they belong. And that's one reason that we have to be very careful about trying to judge. And we certainly need to be careful and avoid envy and, and jealousy about people's harvests. Because we don't know what they sowed. If you don't know what people are sowing, then you don't know what kind of harvest that they are supposed to get. And also, it does depend on where you sow your seed, the kind of ground you sow into. It makes a big difference. I've learned in studying this subject over a number of years that it's important to sow in the best ground possible. There is a type of giving that is given into uh, situations of poverty. There's giving to the poor. That is biblical, and, and Jesus commended it. And so that's something we need to do. We need to be a blessing. We need to be a help to those who are needy and those who are bound or who are damaged in some way by poverty. All that is, is part of Christianity. But giving to the poor isn't sowing seed in the pure sense. Proverbs calls it lending to the Lord. Whatever I, whatever I give to somebody in need, if I help pay their light bill or if I give them money for gasoline or whatever it may be, if I do that, if I give to an organization who primarily ministers to the poor and the needy, then what I'm doing is, according to Scripture, I'm lending to the Lord. That money I give, I'm lending. And the Bible says He will repay it. So there's a return even on that kind of giving, and it's a one-to-one -one return. So if you give $100 to the poor and you're doing it out of obedience to God or you're doing it out of your right heart attitude and you're truly doing it to, to help someone who's in need, then you can be assured that God's going to record that and he's going to give you back at least that much. But you know, the Bible also talks about giving and sowing and reaping 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The Bible talks about sowing into uh, sowing generously. And the Bible speaks about giving into the preaching of the gospel. For instance, in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, when the Philippian church gave into Paul's ministry, and it was to them that he said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so we need to understand that, uh, that when we learned how to use this law properly, it will bring an increase to our life that though savings is good and admirable and you should do it, it'll do more than your savings will ever do. And though it's good to have the best job possible and, and you know, you want to make a good living as we say, but giving, sowing and reaping will do more than, than what you can work out, even if you work 60, 70 hours a week. You see, a lot of people miss this and work like a dog. You know what working like a dog is, don't you? Maybe you've done that before. A lot of people miss this part and think that they have to make it all happen. 
I've got to work hard enough. I've got to work extra hours. I've, you know, I've got to just dig in here and, and make it happen. You know, God would like to help you out. God would really like to help you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. He'd like to help lift that heavy burden off you and give you a good life whereby you wouldn't have to work like a dog, as we say. But I have noticed and I have found through many years of observation that this kind of good life comes really only to those who are sowers, to those who are generous, and to those who understand something of these principles. Now, it doesn't matter how quiet you get. I'm going to still say this stuff. So, you know, it might do good if you'd say amen. I might, I might do better or get through quicker. You know, if you listen slow, I have to talk slow. <laughs> Biblically, there are several kinds of things that are viewed as seeds. You can find scripture even metaphorically, but you'll find that there are things that are referred to as seeds. Now, obviously, number one is the actual seed of trees and plants like God was speaking to them about in Genesis chapter 1. But the second one that I want to mention is the seed of words. Now, we just finished up about four weeks, I think, on the subject of the law of faith. We took a lot of time to talk about words, confession, proclamation, declaration, calling things which be not as though they were, some basic things concerning faith. If, faith, uh, if your faith won't move your mouth, it won't move your mountain. All those cliche sayings that we use, but they're very, very true and extremely powerful. We need to understand those. So we've really talked a lot about the seed of words. Mark chapter 4, I would encourage you to study, to read. Maybe this week you could just read that fourth chapter. Maybe read it more than once in, in different translations. And you'll understand there that there's much that's said about words. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about the sower sowing the word. And he talked about in the parable of the sower, he told his disciples, if you don't understand this parable, how would you understand all parables? So this is the king parable. This is the main parable. This is the one that really uh, sets the bar for all the rest, if you want to understand the rest of them. And it's about the word and the power of the spoken word. He even talks about how that the enemy comes to steal the word from us and how that there are various things in life that try to keep us from our harvest. So we talked about that in a lot of detail today. I'm not going into much more about it than that right now. If we need to come back to it, we will. But that's the second kind of seed the Bible gives us. And then there's a third kind. And this one is what we call deeds. It should be easy for us to remember because we could say it this way, deeds are seeds. These are the things you do. The things you do to be a blessing, the things you do to uh, serve, the things that you do that are good, that are right, deeds. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes and tells us that any good thing, Listen carefully. Any good thing that any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Now, it's important, just take a moment to, to point this out. It says he will receive it of the Lord. When we do good things, when we sow a deed seed, when we sow a deed seed, we need to be careful that we're not looking to whoever it is we've done something good for that they're supposed to return our harvest. 
It says the Lord will make it happen. In other words, we could say it this way in a paraphrase of sorts. Whatever good thing you make happen for somebody else, the Lord will make happen for you. Now, sometimes people hear a statement like that, and they say, well, that just sounds like another uh, statement from some motivational speaker. And uh, I'm sure motivational speakers use that because they borrow and steal from the Bible for their presentations that they want big bucks to talk to you about. When if you came to a good church that will teach you the full gospel, you can get it free. Amen. <laughs> so I, I'm not charging any extra for these points. Praise the Lord. But... Deeds are seeds. And when I do good things, I'm not looking for that individual to return it back to me. I'm looking for God to return it to me. And you really need to get this in your heart because you can get really frustrated when you think, you know, you're looking to people that they should respond in a certain way and they should do certain things in return for you. Listen, you would do better just go into all those situations with zero expectations from people and all your expectation on God. If they say thank you, then that's wonderful. If they don't, I'm still getting blessed. If they appreciate it, that's nice. But if they don't, I did it with the right attitude and God is going to make it happen for me. So it's like a, a, a repeat, another version, if, uh, Ephesians 6, 8, of the golden rule that Jesus gave. What? You know, you would do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's just the principle of spiritual life because it's sowing and reaping. And then the fourth thing that the Bible plainly gives to us as a picture of a seed is when we give money and we give things of value or things of wealth. And if you read 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, then you can see that. Particularly the ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, you can see that that's true. Now, one of the reasons that we give away so much as a church is because we believe what we're talking about here today. We're, we enter into November in two days, or three days from now. 33 years ago in November, we ended the month with 17 cents in the bank as a church. Not $17, not $1,700, not even a dollar and 70 cents. I'm not exaggerating. 17 cents, 0.17 cents. That was what we had. For Glenna and me and, and our family, it looked like that we've made a mistake. And that's no offense to, to anybody who was here. Some of you are still here, and thank God you've stuck it out. You're, you're brave souls. You've <laughs> been there a long time. So it wasn't that. It's just it just didn't seem like anything was working. It's like you were against a wall. And so over the years, we began to sow words. You know, when you don't have any money, you can at least sow words. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, tells us that God gives seed to the sower. In chapter 9, he gives seed to the sower. So if, if you don't have seed and you'll believe God, he'll give you seed. 
So be very careful to never tell anybody, I don't have any seed, because what you're saying to them is, I'm not a sower. People who don't sow never have any seed. But people who want to sow and will sow, and God knows if you will, God will put seed in your hand. The big test then is not just to use your faith for the seed because you have it. The big test then is are you going to eat it or not? A lot of people eat their seed. God blesses them with the seed and they, they are too busy in their mind and too busy in their thought life. They're not listening to their spirit and they eat their seed. And a lot of people also are wondering, where is my harvest? Not realizing that it probably has already come and you just didn't recognize it. Because if your seed was insignificant, so will your harvest be insignificant. Because remember, harvests are always proportional. Always proportional. This is tough stuff, but I, I, the reason I feel comfortable to declare these things is because we've lived this. We've lived this as a church. We've lived this as a, as a married couple. We know this is true. It is absolutely, positively, unequivocally too late for somebody to bring their little arguments and say, oh, that's not all so. I just don't really believe that. Well, don't bother me because it's working awfully well. 17 cents. When this year is over, we will have given over $275,000 into the kingdom, into the gospel. And nobody starved while doing it. And we continue to improve and we continue to, to do our best. And we're reaching around the world with our giving. And we're going to do it again. Amen. Some of you remember that old ham bone thing? Ham bone, ham bone, where you been? Been around the world and I'm going again. Well, praise God, we're going again. Can you say amen? I won't go into the rest of that. Uh, praise the Lord. Let me give you some, some truths about sowing. We sow what we want to have multiplied. That's the what of sowing. Whatever you want multiplied is what you need to sow. And on that same note, I want to say this. You have to be ready for your seed to die. That corn seed you put in the ground, that bean seed you put in the ground, if you, go, if you were to go and dig it up sometime later, it wouldn't look like the same thing you planted. The outer husk of that seed has to die and what's living and all those predetermined instructions that I talked about earlier that are on the inside, that has to be allowed to come out to produce new life. Now, what does that have to do with my sowing? Well, what that means is that if God tells me to sow $100, that's that $100 in my sowing of it, when it leaves my hand, it's dead to me to be used for any other purpose. Now, it leaves my hand, but it doesn't leave my life. I've sown it, so I'm going to meet that again, but I'm going to meet it multiplied. It's going to come back to me multiplied. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But there's a period of time when I've got to decide, I'm not going to take the $100 and go have a good meal. I'm going to sow the $100, and, uh, and so I die to that. Maybe I eat peanut butter which I do happen to like, peanut butter. Jif, 
smooth. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no other kind. But anyhow, um, <laughs> I mean, I like it all some, but that's the best. Um, but I have to die to that seed. I have to die to it. And uh, so when I decide to sow, I'm deciding uh, what I want to have multiplied. If I want love, I've got to sow love. If I want attention, I have to sow attention. If I want favors, I have to sow favor. If I want kindness, I have to sow kindness. Remember, you can't mock God. You can't sow bad seed and get a good harvest. And you can pray till you turn blue in the face. You can fast for the next 10 days. And if you've sown bad seed... And no good seed, then there's no good harvest coming until you sow some good seed. We sow what we want to have multiplied. Number two, we sow where we want to go. We sow in the good ground. Good ground. Anybody that's a gardener, a farmer, you know that uh, there are certain types of soil that is just great soil. And there are other kinds of soil that are not so great. You know, I remember growing up in, in uh, southern West Virginia in the hillbilly country, and some of you will not know a thing about what I'm getting ready to talk about. But uh, I was always told, my dad always told me, and I'm sure his dad always told him, I don't know how, but they said anywhere that horseweeds grow, corn will grow. Does anybody know what a horseweed is? My dad knows. Well, anyway, you cut horse weeds and feed them to the hogs. Maybe you call it something else. Anyway, the point is, you look for good soil. So I'm not going to throw my seed. If I, want to, if I want to raise beans, I'm not going to plant them out here on the parking lot. I'm not going to plant them on the edge of the parking lot where all the salt runs off, you know, in the wintertime and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to plant them in good ground. And so we want to sow where we want to go, or we want to sow in good ground. And I learned that years ago, sow where you want to go, which means I'm going to participate in the explanation that Jesus gave about uh, the parable of the talents, for instance. Remember when Jesus said, to him that hath shall more be given? And from him that hath it to be taken away what he has been given, based on how they were stewarding and, and using what God had entrusted them with. And it seems unfair, but the truth is, and you know this is truth even in the world. This is why so many people are fussing today about people who have something, and if they don't have it, is they're thinking somehow or another that they must do something wrong, it must be a bad thing. Let me say this right now, would you? God is not a communist. Jesus' first name is not Fidel. Or Vladimir. <laughs> Amen. God is not a communist. He's always fair. He's always just. But he always lives by the principles that he put to work in the earth. And you cannot be covetous, envious, or stingy and have God's blessing on your life. And it's amazing to me how many poor people think they're exempt from all of that. 
I don't know where their dollar amount is that they think they move above the exemption, but it seems like those people never get above that amount. You know, a lot of people's lives are like the old movie Groundhog Day. Every day, every year, every month, every season, every cycle is always the same. The only thing changing is what they see in the mirror. But basically everything else stays the same. You cannot have a harvest unless you sow seed. And you can have a barn full of seed, but not have a harvest. Amen. So we sow where we want to go. I learned, as I said a moment ago, I learned that if there are places that that I see that are role models, if they're ministries, if they're individuals, if they're circumstances and situations that I see that are good places, kind of what I would say a role model example, then I've learned to sow into that. And yes, they have, and that would mean more is being given, but that's what Jesus said, this is the way it works. You say, well, what about the person who just has very little? Well, you start where you are. You start where you are. Amen. If you want to grow, you'll sow where you want to go. Then the third thing, we sow based on how much of a harvest that we want. God's not choosing your harvest. You are. And you know, when Jesus sat by the treasury and watched what was put in the, uh, uh, you sit, I mean, he sat yeah, in, the, in the temple and sat by the treasury watching what was being put in, you do know, don't you, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows what went in the offering bucket this morning. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that because we're in need. We don't have unpaid bills. We don't have unneed, unmet needs. But I want you to be blessed. I'd like for you to get in on what God's doing around here. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to be out of debt and not one chicken gave its life for us to sell it. Not one weenie went in a hot dog for us to sell so that we could be out of debt and we could be blessed of the Lord. Aren't you glad of that? I actually... I can, I can tell it. The Lord will let me tell this. Uh, I actually read one time, uh, it was a Facebook post about some people that were absolutely livid because someone had actually made public the church's hot dog chili recipe. And the reason they were livid is because they said, don't you know that that church uses that to help pay their light bill? I know that particular church, which, no surprise, it's shut down. But I know about that church that they were a part of an organization that says in their bylaws they believe in tithing. You know, I tell it just to be funny, but the, it's sad, really. It's really sad that people are so far from these truths. And even when somebody gets into these truths and starts talking about them like I'm doing today, then they get criticized for telling the truth. Oh, glory. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, there are people who would come to church here if we didn't talk like this. <laughs> there are people who will not come to this church because they just don't like that. And you know, they can take their $5 and go wherever they want to go. Amen. Because we're going to tell the truth. Amen. We're going to tell the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we sow based on how much harvest we want. We choose that. Then the fourth thing, the next thing, and this is really important. Seasons, not conditions, determine when we sow. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4 says, He that regardeth the wind shall not sow. What does that mean? That means that if you're looking for all the favorable conditions, as a matter of fact, I think there's one translation that renders it that way. He who's looking for every, all the conditions to be favorable, will ne he won't ever sow. You know, people that are waiting on the settlement, waiting on this, that, or the other. I'm thinking of somebody right now, you don't know who I'm talking about. I guess Glenn would be the only person who knows what I'm who I'm talking about. But I remember one time years ago praying with somebody. They were believing God for this settlement they wanted. Praying. They needed this settlement. They needed the money. They were in desperate shape. They needed this settlement. Well, they got the settlement, and guess what? They never showed up at church again. Why? Because we preach tithing. You say, do I have to pay tithes on a settlement? It's, that's an increase. Well, my grandma gave me some money. Well, good. You need to pay your tithe on what grandma gave you. <laughs> Glory. I'm almost done, and you're glad, I'm sure, but, but, but this is sowing and reaping. Can you see why we waited last? <laughs> Seasons. You know, a lot of times you, you hear me say, if you've been around here a long time, We'll, be, we'll have a guest minister in, you know, and we're going to take an offering, receive an offering, and we're going to sow into their ministry. Or we have a project we're doing, and I tell you, this is a season, I mean, this is a sowing season. That's not just a cliche, and I'm not just saying that just for preacher talk. Because there really are seasons that you and I need to get in on. There are times when we need to give. We need to sow. And it's the season... Not the conditions, because it may look bad. You know, there are some things, going back to the gardening illustration, you know, gardeners that, that have early produce, many times they actually sow or they plant when it seems too cold and still a little bit too much like winter to do so. But they'll protect it some way or another, or they know the germination time is long enough, it'll be under the ground, it's going to be okay. And so they have the early crops. But how many of you know, I mean, you don't have to be a great farmer to know this, how many of you know that, that today is not the season to plant corn? Now, when we get through the winter, and it comes spring again, and the warm sun is shining, and the spring is coming, the warm showers come, it'll be time to plant corn and you can have a great harvest. But if you plant now, this isn't the season. Well, you know, we need to be aware of when it is the season, and that's when you do your best. And that's when we do our most. 
And of course, in the kingdom of God, it's always a good season. But there are special times, particular times, that we need to sow. In Genesis 26, and here's where we'll close today. I don't think we got done with this. So we're going to see how many brave souls we have who all shows up next week. Uh, now, I, you know, I, I joke with you about it. I know you, you're giving people, so you're not offended at the word. But uh, thank God it does change us. But in Genesis chapter 26, and I'm not going to take the time to read it. We've got things we need to do here today that are important to do as well as teach. But in Genesis 26, Isaac determined in his own mind that he would go down into Egypt as his father had done years before in a time of famine in Palestine. That was a common thing for people of means to do. And they, um, they would go there to Egypt because Egypt was watered by the Nile and the Nile River begins down in Uganda and travels north in Africa and empties into the Mediterranean in Egypt. And so a famine up in Palestine would not have any effect on the source of the Nile and keep the water from flowing. So that's how it was. So people would go down and stay temporarily by the river and they would uh, wait out the famine that back in their homeland and their own personal property. They would wait it out and then they would uh, come back home when the famine was over. So Isaac was just doing what everybody else was doing. Now listen carefully. I know we, you know, we, people are moving around and that we need that. We have to have them. But, but I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. You can really get in a lot of trouble when you just do what everybody's doing. Well, everybody's investing in whatever. Everybody's buying. Or everybody's selling. It's this kind of market. Interest rates are here. Interest rates are there. The Fed's doing this. The chairman... You know, Jay Powell is saying this, all this kind of stuff that goes on. You can get in a lot of trouble when you follow the herd. Most people are not successful. Most people are not sowers. Most people are not reapers. Most people, I'm not talking about you in here today. I'm just talking in general, in our culture. Most people are takers. They're not givers. Most people are envious and jealous about people who are blessed. Most people don't want to work. And they sure don't want to give. It's, it's just a common thing. It's just the way life is. So if you follow the herd, you're going to be broke as the herd. If you want what everybody else has got, just do what they do. But if you want to break out, oh, hallelujah. If you want to break out, if you want to live a different life, if you want to live a testimony life that causes people to want to know what you know and who you know, and how you do it, then you need to live this kind of a life. That's what Isaac chose to do. God said, don't go into Egypt. Stay in this land. Well, the story is, of course, this was a land of famine. Nothing growing, nothing happening. It looked bad. The forecast was not good. And so Isaac stayed in obedience. And then since he stayed, I like his spunk. I like his attitude. Because you can just tell the way this is, where you read that story, he was just saying, well, if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to do what I would do. So what does the Bible say he did? He sowed in that land. That's the words used. 
in the same year, that's the year of the famine, he reaped a hundredfold. Everybody else around him reaped zero because they hadn't sown. They were afraid, you, you know, you don't sow your good seed uh, when there's no chance for a harvest. So they would have held on to some seed. They would have probably been eating their seed. But they would have all looked at Isaac and saw, what in the world? There were no irrigation systems, uh, you know, in the natural. He didn't have any newfangled machinery. God gave him a hundredfold when he sowed. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you today, the God of heaven wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. But we must cooperate with Him. Now I want to say this as I close. Lest anybody thinks our motivation is wrong or, or not pure. If you don't want to give here, then don't give. You don't have to do that here. If this is not worthy of the seed, if this is not a place where you're fed and you cannot tithe here, I understand that. You know, you don't have to do that. But you need to be somewhere. You need to tithe somewhere. You need to sow your seed in good ground, in good fields. You need to do this. If you can't do it here, if you don't want to do it here, if you think you shouldn't do it here, then I won't argue with you about it, but I will tell you that you need to be a sower. As a matter of fact, if you can find a place where you get this kind of information on a more regular basis and you, you get more blessed, then you need to go to that church and please tell us about it. We would like to at least visit occasionally. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we didn't get done, but we got started. Father, we thank you today for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, that you would never ask us to do anything that you yourself wouldn't do. When you talk to us about sowing, you speak of experience. No one has sown a more valuable, expensive, extravagant, precious gift than you, Father God. When you gave Jesus as a seed into the earth, the firstborn among many brethren, you wanted a family, so you sowed your son. You wanted a multiplied harvest of new creation beings. So you sowed Jesus. And today we celebrate that wonderful truth. And we magnify and glorify you that Jesus did come. Jesus did die. He was planted in the earth. But thank God he rose again. And has now produced millions of new creations through the many, many years and centuries. And of those millions, each one of us individually are a part. We are a part of God's harvest. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a precious seed. What a precious seed planted into the heart of the earth, resurrected on the third day, 
If you don't know that Jesus I'm talking about, ask him right now to come in. I've given to you the plan of salvation. Ask him in. He'll make you a new creature. You'll be a part of God's harvest. God was so wealthy and is so wealthy that the wealth of the entire planet does not impress him. If you could collect all the gold on the earth and pile it up, God would not be impressed because he created it all with the word of his mouth. Any resource you could think of on the planet was created by God. And guess what? He created it for us, his children, because the thing he really wanted was not just gold and silver and coal and oil and gas and water and trees and earth, soil. He wanted a family. Children. Aren't you glad you're one of those kids? I mean, he loves you so much. He would never hurt you. He'd never harm you. He'd never do anything to bring you anything but good. And even when he sends somebody like me or anybody else for that matter that he would ever send into your morning on this Sunday morning to tell you some of the tough stuff that I've said today. It's because he loves you enough to tell you the truth that when you act on it will change and transform your life. God guarantees his word. And I want you to know that the miracle that he has done in this place for this people is not exclusive to us. God will do this for anybody. For anybody. Our miracle testimonies are